This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Stay big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen, joined, as always, by my co-host, football genius, Matt Verderam. Matt, it's a couple of days before the holidays. How are you doing today? Great, great. Looking forward to uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas and uh, watching my daughter run down the stairs approximately, I don't know, 400 miles an hour to the tree so she can open up everything um, and then fixate on one of the empty boxes and turn that into the, her favorite toy. So, uh, no, how, be, be good. how old is your daughter now? Uh, she's three and like three months, three and change. Oh, that's awesome. So now she's getting to that age where like, she can really kind of, she's like understanding Christmas and what's going on and like the oh, excitement, yeah. you know? She's very uh, aware. <laughs> yes. This is definitely the first Christmas. She's really in tune to what's going on. So she knows there's going to be gifts. She's excited. Uh, my parents were here for the last week. Um, and uh, then, then we're going to see uh, my wife's family. I swear the, the quarantining has been, I don't, I don't think anybody in either side of my family has left their house in three weeks i it's been i, I gotta give it to everybody involved who's been able to pull this off but uh yeah it's it's nice at least it's paying off all we'll be seeing each other but it's been uh, quite the effort so are you gonna do the whole thing for her like uh you know, put out the cookies and milk and then like and then you get to eat the cookies when she goes to bed are you doing that whole thing i don't know if we're doing the cookies and milk thing but we'll put out i mean look there's gonna be water stocking stuffed and what which is her by the way the thing she's most excited about is the candy um so we'll do that we'll have all the gifts under the tree obviously and um you know so she's 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 mostly about the candy in the stocking or she calls it the hanging socks and then uh and then she's just going to tear into every gift that she has so it's going to be a lot of disney stuff she'll be she'll be pumped up i i remember being a kid and like my parents would do they put the cookies and milk out and they would do this fun little thing where like, you know, my dad would eat the cookies, but like there, he would leave like a little bit of the cookie, you know, like a couple bites got taken out of it and the crumbs were there. And I just remember my mind being blown. I was like, oh my God, Santa was in our kitchen. You know, like I was so excited by that. That whole idea was, uh, it's pretty wild. It's so much fun. The, the, um, the other one that like the, the one I caught on to fairly early on though, was the tooth fairy because my parents would always forget 
to put the money under my pillow. Like when I was really young, they'd do this cool thing where they would put, uh, they'd get like half dollars and put those under my pillow. So it was like something you weren't used to seeing. And it was like, oh, it's special. It's the tooth fairy. But, you know, I like once I got a little bit wise to it, I'd come down and tell my parents, I'd be like, hey, tooth fairy didn't show up last night. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I started doing? This is actually k- kind of, I guess it's kind of gross. I don't know, but it's kind of hilarious. My mom had this like China cabinet and she had this like porcelain cat, like, and it, it was a, it was a container, you know, like you could lift up the cat and there was like a little bowl in there. You put the cat on top. So I started getting pissed off because I knew that the tooth fairy wasn't real, but I felt like I was owed money. So I started, <laughs> I would put, if they missed it a couple of nights in a row, I put the tooth in that thing. And I like at one point I had like six, seven teeth in there. I was like, you guys owe me like 20 bucks. <laughs> I don't think I ever got paid back for that. I'm going to have to take that up with uh, the rents. That's uh, that's an aggressive move. But I mean, hell, why not? If you need money and you're, you know, at that point you're in your life, you need money. So whatever it takes to get paid. Capitalism, man. Capitalism. Uh, what's, so what is your, uh, what's your favorite? Do you have like a favorite holiday tradition that, that your family did when you were growing up? You know what? This is after folks are recording this on the 23rd. I mean, I, well, I'll be brief. There's two of them. One, one is a day, a thing that I think just me and my family do, or my family and I do, um, my buddy, my, my best friend, Mike Condon back home. Um, we both love Christmas. And so, we're like, you know what sucks though? Like you're always stuck seeing like relatives you don't even like. Like it would be so much better if you just got to enjoy it with people you actually enjoy seeing. So we created Christmas Eve Eve, which is of course the 23rd. And the whole point was the only people that get invited are your immediate family and friends because those are the only people you actually want to see. And everybody had to bring something to the table, literally. Like you had to make a dish. You couldn't go out and buy it from the store. You had to make it. And, uh, we've done that every year for the last 11 years. And this is the first time we're not doing it because of COVID. Um, so that blows and I'm pissed, but that's definitely my favorite. When I was a little kid, we used to go to my mom's side of the family, my uncle Hank's, which is cool. He has a nice house in Jersey, big pool table downstairs. Uncle Tom. Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that always ended in, in, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun, and then we did grab bag, which is like whatever you want to call it. The, what is it like the white? Some people call it like the white elephant or whatever that right, kind of a yeah. game. Always ended in screaming and someone storming out of the house. Good memories, good memories. That's great. Uh, all right, let's talk a little Chiefs. Let's start with Clyde edwards Lair. So if you listen to our last podcast, we were in a little bit of a panic. Didn't know what was going on with Clyde. I was worried maybe he had torn his groin. Thankfully, the day after the game, it came out that. It's not a serious injury. It's not a great injury, but it's not a serious injury. If this had happened earlier in the season, it would just be a a few games absence for Clyde. So it turns out he had a high ankle sprain, the dreaded high ankle sprain and the uh, hip strain. Now, hip strain should be okay. That should heal up all right uh, if it's not too serious. The high ankle, ankle sprain, if you're not familiar it's just a little bit different. Normally, you know, guys go out and play on sprained ankles all the time, linemen especially, but the high ankle sprain is a little bit different. It heals a little bit slower. It's painful. It can keep guys out for a number of weeks. So Clyde is supposed to miss the rest of the season. There's only two games to go, obviously, but there's the potential that he could come back for a playoff game or two. Verderham, have you heard anything on this particular high ankle sprain with Clyde? 
No, I'm all I can add to it is I, I talked to a, a source after the game on Sunday. They were more worried about his groin going into the MRI. So they were really pleased that his groin is is okay. Uh, they thought maybe, you know, there could have been a tear in the groin muscle. There's not. Um, as far as the ankle, I mean, I've heard the same thing that's been reported, which is that look, he's not going to play in the regular season. They don't, they don't need him for the last two games. The hope is that he's back come the divisional round. I mean, that, you know, it's a month, essentially. So is it possible? Yeah. You know, sometimes you see guys miss a couple weeks with a high ankle sprain. Sometimes it's six. Um, if he misses four, which is right in the middle, then, then he's got a shot to play in that divisional round. But they're confident in Le'Veon Bell in the meantime. But, yeah, the, the hope is uh, that they can get him back for uh, the divisional round. Then I think it's a very real possibility. Yeah, the Chiefs are going to benefit here from obviously this happening now as opposed to this week, right? He's already got a few days to heal up, and they're almost certainly going to get the bye. They haven't clinched it yet, but um, so you're looking at you know this week, next week, right? Then you've got the bye week, and then another week you're going into the the actual game there. So even if he misses the divisional round there's a very good chance he could be good to go for the AFC championship game, which is when I think you'd want to trot him out. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, it, you know, anything's possible. The further they go down the line, the better chance they have of getting him back. Of course. Um, they got to get to the AFC championship game, but I think we all believe they, they will and they should. So yeah, look, you know, if they can get him back for the division round, they'll do it. Uh, but, they have confidence in Bell. Bell's played well when he's been in there. Is he Clyde? I, I don't know that I'd say that he is, but I think he's been good. Um, and they brought him in for this reason. They they brought Le'Veon Bell here to play in these games and to, and to be there in case they needed him. Well, they need him. Um, look, the other part of this is too. They haven't technically clinched the one seed, but they're they're the one seed. I mean, they they. They do not even need to win another game. And barring an unbelievable confluence of events around the league, the Chiefs are going to be number one seed. So I would expect to see a little more Darwin Thompson, a little more Daryl Williams. Now, the Chiefs are going to be careful, and they should be at this point. This is about winning the Super Bowl. It's not about uh, maximizing every single play here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and if you if you heard Andy Reid talking this week in his media availability, he talked a lot about Le'Veon Bell and – Le'Veon Bell being comfortable with the protection scheme. And that's really important. And that's why uh, last week you were seeing a lot of Daryl Williams coming into the game more than likely was because Daryl Williams has been with the team and he trusts him. He knows the protection scheme. So if you're getting into some third and longs and you're not thinking you're going to do a screen pass, Daryl is probably the guy you want in there. But Andy did say he felt like Le'Veon was, was coming around. He had picked up most of the blocking schemes and was getting more comfortable. Obviously Andy's got a really complicated offense. And so that's a big part of, of getting on the field is, is earning the trust of your head coach. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you know what? I think for the chiefs, like I said, I mean, really these next two weeks, it's genuinely about just, okay, how are we going to work on some things to get ready for the playoffs? That's, that's all this is about. And with Le'Veon Bell, it's maybe introducing him to some different packages he hasn't played in yet. Um, I would expect defensively, if I'm Steve Spagnuolo, I'd do a lot of things these next couple of weeks. I'd do some experimental stuff. How do we play in this this setting? How do we do with this scheme? How do we do with this alignment? Uh, you know, why not? Why not? 
you have nothing to lose. So um, I do think that's true, though. And, and that's true of – like I, I'll tell you right now, and I, I swear I'm going to die on this hill. I might actually die on it. Like these next two weeks, play Willie Gay every snap. Why not? Play him. Play McCole Hardman every snap. Like, there's no reason not to. Now, you want to argue, look, we really want to win the Falcons game because then there's no way that any craziness can happen. Fine. The reality is the Bills literally need like 20 exact outcomes to break their way, including a bunch of ridiculous upsets um, for them to win the strength of victory tiebreaker, which is the only way the Chiefs can't get the number one seed. But if I'm the Chiefs, yeah. Look, I'm giving a lot of guys a lot of looks. Uh, that maybe haven't gotten them to this point, maybe because they're nervous about their their role being expanded, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. But I, I'd like to see that personally. And Bell is a guy who he's a veteran, but yeah, look, you know, see what he can do in some packages he hasn't played in yet. All right, we're going to take our first break. And on the other side, we've got some listener reviews and we will preview the Falcons game. All right, we are back. All right, Vernon, let's get into some listener reviews here. We got a couple. As always, folks, you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review over there. It means a lot to us, really helps out the show. And you can ask us a question in those written reviews. Please leave us five stars and uh, ask us that question and we'll answer it on the podcast. So I've got two. This one doesn't have a question, but it's really interesting. It's maybe one of the finest reviews we've ever had. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the whole thing. So this one came from Stock Homeless. On December 19th, uh, they said, uh, niche content for Chicago peanut butter and chocolate fans. It's one of my favorite reviews ever. I'm a fan of this podcast for a few reasons. Number one, as a huge fan of peanut butter and chocolate is my favorite combo. I appreciate how often the subject randomly, oddly, seems to come up in the pre-chiefs commentary banter. Number two, as a recent transplant to Chicago, that's where Matt and I live, and a native Kansas Cityan, and therefore diehard, lifelong, rabid cheese fan. I appreciate the niche Chicago content as a recent reco for chocolate peanut butter pie on the north side of Chicago. Uh, plays together with a couple of my interests. And number three, this is very fascinating. Number three. And last, my husband thinks one of the guys sounds exactly like Christian Bale and Batman. So if you're into peanut butter and chocolate, niche Chicago content, and Christian Bale... This is the podcast for you. So I immediately asked my wife, hey, who do you think she's talking about? Is it Verderam or is it me? Now, I've got a much higher voice than you. So yep. and you have a very low voice. You can get a little gravelly. My wife, Mag, said, absolutely, it's Verderam, a thousand percent. And I'm okay with that if, if the result is you sound like Christian Bale and I look like Christian Bale. <laughs> I'm okay with that, that arrangement. Um, so what I was thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get you to play along with this. We should each do our best Batman saying, where's the Joker from Christian Bale? And then we'll let the audience decide and tell us who did the best Christian Bale impression. You, you, you going to go on this journey with me? I mean, I will, but I'm going to tell you straight up. I literally don't even know who he is. Christian Bale? I, I've watched like, the, like five movies in the last like 20 years. I have no time. I, all I do is watch the NFL. So I, <laughs> you haven't watched, but you didn't watch the Batman movies. No. Like the, the dark Knight. No. Mother of God. They're no. good, man. They're That's really it. good. I love the review and I appreciate it, but I, I'm not saying they're not good. I, I love Batman as a kid. I just never, you know, 
look, man, there's there's 256 NFL regular season games. Okay. I, I know you're a busy I'm, man, but there's a summer. I'm very, very busy. And on top of that, I got a three-year-old. If I if I look away for five seconds, the house is on fire. So <laughs> like, I don't have time to sit out and watch The Dark Knight Rises for the 80th time. Yeah, I, I, I can't. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to say, where's the Joker? I've seen the movie. You can just imitate me or say it however you want sure. since you haven't seen the movie. Uh, and we'll let, the, we'll let the listeners decide who's, who's the best bail. Okay. <clears throat> Where's the Joker? Now, see, I think that's pretty goddamn good. Like, p- people have seen the movie. You have an I might not that. sound like Bale be. all the time, <laughs> but I think I sounded like Batman right there. All right, Verderham, take it away. Where's the Joker? <laughs> that's that's like that's brooklyn batman i was about to say i could even hear it when i said it and i don't normally hear my own accent but yeah that is where's the joker i'm in flatbush give me directions <laughs> yeah, right right yeah uh i love it i love it all right you guys let us know head over to apple Podcasts, leave us a review tell us who sounds more like christian bale um, i feel like i feel like I, I sound more and maybe even look more like joe pesci but i'll i'll take it yeah, yeah. I you got you get you get a little bit of Joe Pesci. You're 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 much better looking. I think you're taller, much taller. I am much taller. Yeah, he's probably about five four, <laughs> and I'm six two. So I got him. I got him beat there. Right. Thank you for that review. That was awesome. Uh, all right, and and, and we got it. our boy Clint's back. Mission implausible. He says Patrick and Matt produced the best chief centric podcast of them all. Zero di- discussion will be brooked. I did not know this word brooked. Uh, and my wife, who is a writer and is brilliant. Also did not know this term. So I think I think Clint's pretty smart here. We looked it up. It basically means like no argument will be had. Uh, so thank you. You're, you're too kind. Um, predictably, I have a question for both Patrick and Matt. If you both were suddenly granted elite athletic ability, I, I mean, I don't know why you don't think we both are already elite athletes, but... Hey, listen, Clint, we'll, we'll, I played we'll, in high school, okay? I, yeah, was, I ran cross country. I was dominant. I was, yeah, it was very average. Um which positions would you want to play for the Chiefs? And you cannot say quarterback. I oh, thank God. you both for your fine work and wish you the happiest and healthiest and most blessed holidays, Clint. All right, Verderam, you, so you can't be quarterback. What do you want to be? <laughs> Look, I'm 6'2". I'm 208 pounds. Okay, I used to be 240 pounds. I, that would have been I, – I could have been maybe a, a, a run-plugging linebacker. Now I'm, I'm undersized. Uh, I can't run – but I have elite, elite athletic ability. Uh, I, you know what, man? I'd want to be a safety. I'd want to just come down and just absolutely hit somebody into next month. That would be awesome. I, you know, my initial inclination was receiver. But I was like, ah, I got to get cracked all the time. I'm not that. I want to play safety. It's a cerebral position. Got to read the keys and make a play quick. I'd like to do that. I'd like to be uh, for the old chief, older chief fans out there. I'd like to be like the Duran Cherry of the, of the team, or for the younger group, the Eric Berry, and just come down to the box and just really lay the wood. I love it. Um, so I'm 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 six one, about two oh three, working my way down, aiming aiming for that under two hundred pounds. I'm getting close for it, Ram. Get in line. <laughs> yeah, I'll meet you there. Um, okay. Yeah. So six one, about two hundred pounds. Uh, I've got I've got elite athletic ability, 
So I'm going to go ahead and assume that I'm also not, I don't have the, the, the scrawny arms that I currently have now, um, that, that I, that goes along with my athletic ability that I have some strength. Six one. I, I think playing tight end would be a lot of fun because you get to do, you get to block and be, you know, do some team player, but you also get a, a little bit of glory. So I'm going to go with tight end. I know it would be better if I was a little bit taller. Um, but I think if I had elite athletic ability, I'd, I'd have fun uh, going across the middle, getting lit up, and uh, trying to pancake some guys. Help spring, okay. uh, help spring a Le'Veon. Okay, fair enough. I don't want to be a running back. Too too short a career. See, tight end, no, you, you could play for a you could play for a long time. You I'll know, put this out there, the, and the I answer this is part of Clint's question, but then we'll we'll talk Chiefs Falcons. I know there's probably a million people out there. Like, come on, let's go, let's get to the game. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think people understand if they and I. I don't mean this is a slam. I just, I don't think people understand like how hard these guys hit at the NFL level. I know I didn't until I was on the field once for a game. I was actually in college. I was working for ESPN. It's like a, a, basically a runner on Monday Night Football. And I was on the sideline for Bill's Cowboys on the night game. We're talking 15 years ago. Marshawn Lynch was on the, on the Bills. And I'll never forget it, man. He ran toward the Cowboys side on it, which is where I was standing way back behind the players. Brady James was a linebacker for the Cowboys. Pretty good player. Hit Marshawn Lynch. I thought he killed him. It sounded like a bomb went off. It was the loudest sound I've ever heard on a football field. And Marshawn Lynch immediately popped up and was like, you're nothing, you're trash, and like walked back to the huddle. And I was like, if he hit me like that, I'd be dead. They would just pull the curtain around me, shoot me, and just take me off the field. And it it was incredible. And there must have been 50 hits like that. And again, nobody got it. It was fine. Everybody just got up, went back to hell. I, I don't think, like, it's, when that play happened, I remember thinking, like, yeah, no wonder these guys play for three years and they're done. Yeah. Like, and they're and they're packed yeah. with muscle. I mean, can right. you imagine, did you see that clip that was floating around on Twitter from the ref cam? It was just like a run up the middle. And yes. yeah. I was, I'm at home. And I was, like, a little bit unnerved. Because, we're used to looking at these guys from up in the stands or, you know, the cameras above them. When you see that, like, un, like a normal, like where the ref's a normal human being, right? A normal sized person, yes. maybe, you know, five, 10, six foot tall, whatever. And you see this clip, the NFL players look like superheroes. They look like the monsters running through there. Everybody looks enormous because they are. And we don't, we forget that, man. Like we're fans. Like we forget how huge these guys are. If you're not in the locker room and you see them running through the hole. And I was imagining myself, like they're at some point, they're going to be able to do a VR experience where they, they put a, they, they put a camera on the ref, you know, 360 degrees and you put the Oculus whatever on. And like, you'll really yeah. see what it would be like to be an NFL when, safety or a linebacker. You might when I was at the guess. Super Bowl, when I was at the Super Bowl last year, I remember being surprised when I was interviewing, I interviewed Kelsey, and he's huge, but that wasn't surprising. But then I interviewed Mahomes, and they were standing right next to each other, and I was like, Mahomes is almost as big as Travis Kelsey in person. Like, not quite, but reasonably close. Like, not like, wasn't that far off. And, you know, I thought, I remember thinking the same thing years ago about Brady. Like, Brady's a big dude in person. You know, he's 6'4", whatever he is, like 200 and some odd pounds. Like, and what you don't think about, these guys are chiseled. They're, I mean, they're just, there's not an ounce. Of, like, I remember at one point I was interviewing Anthony Sherman, who's huge. And 
this guy walked up and was standing right, I mean, like literally rubbing shoulders with me. And I just thought it was another media member, so I wasn't paying attention. I'm talking. And all of a sudden, I look over. It's Tyreek Hill. And he was like playing a joke on Anthony Sherman. He ended up coming in, and I actually got great video of it. But the point is, Tyreek Hill, like people talk about him like he's really diminutive. Tyreek Hill is, I would not want to have to tackle Tyreek Hill. Let's put it that way. So the big dude. Like, I don't care that he's 5'9", whatever. Yeah, I, I'm taller than Tyreek Hill is. But Tyreek Hill is a, probably 190 pounds and literally 3% body fat. But you look at him and you're like, yeah, I'm not, not getting in the way of that, coming 20 some odd miles an hour. Have fun. You see him working out in the offseason and stuff at Clips and he's got no shirt on it. Dude's just, he's a Ferrari. He's absolutely yeah. incredible. He, he's like a perfectly, he is perfectly engineered to, to do what he does for a living. All right, let's get into this game. Chiefs 13 and one. <laughs> I still have Saints written down here in my outline. I didn't nice change job. it, uh, but I got the record right. It's the Falcons. Um, and the Falcons, my friends, are four and 10. So it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 10 and a half point favorite in this game. They're going to be at home. The over under is 54. So let me give you the primer really quick. The Falcons, they lost five straight games to start the season. They beat the Vikings, they beat the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Raiders. They notably beat the Raiders 43-6. to uh, Derek Carr just decided to take that game off. They lost to the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Bears, the Packers, the Panthers, the Lions, the Saints twice, the Chargers, and the Bucks. They've lost their last two games. Interestingly, they have a plus-two point differential, but a lot of that's because they, they beat the, uh, the Raiders 43-6, to which that helps, that helps you out. A little bit. Yeah. Well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to ramble on. See what you did today. No, I mean, Atlanta is the, just the absolute biggest choke artist in the NFL. That's why their point differential is not that crazy because they get up in these games and they just blow it. They fall apart. You know, last week they were up 17 nothing at half, 24-7 in the third quarter. And there was really never any doubt they were going to lose. And they they came through in flying colors, uh, with flying colors. They they just find ways to lose games in comically impossible fashion. Um, that said, look, they have some talent offensively. Defensively, they're a disaster. They're def- we'll get into more of that. But offensively, they do have some guys. Now, Julio Jones hasn't played in a little bit. Does he play this week? Don't know. We'll find out uh, here as the week progresses, but. Uh, they they have not been a successful team. Obviously, they fired their coach Dan Quinn earlier this year. Raheem Morris is the uh, is the interim, so it's been it's been a rough year for the Falcons. I got to tell you, our, our our friend Doug Ferrar was was talking on on Twitter, and he said he was a little bit worried about this game. It could be a funky game for the Chiefs, and and our other pal Seth Kaiser over at the Athletic, he weighed in as well, saying, "Yeah, you know, I I had been worried about this game too." as we were kind of coming into the week because, you know, Matt Ryan, he's a good quarterback, not playing lights out or anything, but still, you know, above average play from him for the most part right now. And he's played in a Super Bowl, long been a good quarterback. And and as you mentioned, some explosive weapons on offense. And, oh, maybe this team could give the Chiefs problems. It's, it's a team with talent, right? But their record doesn't reflect that talent. So I started preparing for the podcast. I dive in a little bit more. I haven't paid a ton of attention to the Falcons this year. I actually think the Chiefs are going to kill them as long as they don't as long as they don't hurt themselves. Um, the the Chiefs rank number one in total yards. The Falcons rank eleventh. So, okay, we're playing a good offensive team. 
points per game. Chiefs are number two, 31 points per game. Falcons are 15th, 25. All right. But here's where I think the advantage goes towards the Chiefs. The Falcons can't run the ball. They're the 28th ranked rushing offense in the NFL. Chiefs are ranked 14th, but the Chiefs aren't going to be running in this game because the, uh, the Chiefs are the number one passing offense in the NFL. Okay? So I think the, the, the Chiefs are going to... I think that the Chiefs are going to go against this, this Falcons pass defense which is 28th in the NFL. They, they give up an average of 392 passing yards per game. So you got the number one passing offense in the league going up against the number 28th ranked passing defense in the league. So I think Mahomes is just going to chew these guys up. The Chiefs don't need to run the ball very much. And the Falcons, on the, on the flip side of that, they can't run the ball. 28th ranked rush offense. They're going up against the Chiefs, who we know they're best at defending the pass. Their, their, their rushing defense isn't great. It's middle of the pack, but they're very good at defending the pass. So uh, Chiefs are the 11th ranked pass defense. Is that how you see this going? Like the Chiefs just come out slinging the ball all over the place against Atlanta and then try to force Atlanta to throw to keep up? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, look, Atlanta's defense against the pass is an atrocity. Okay, so for starters... They're the second-worst defense in football in yards per play allowed, 6.1. They're tied with Detroit and Houston. Not great company. Um, if you're wondering, Kansas City is smack dab in the middle at 5.6, tied with like Green Bay, Seattle, Cleveland, Buffalo. Um, here, here's where the Falcons lose this game. Yards after catch allowed. Houston, worst in the league, 2,019 yards against yards, yards after catch. Guess who's second? Atlanta, 1,910. You know what the Chiefs love to do? Get the ball in the hands of the fastest people on earth and let them run. Good luck with that. Then you say to yourself, well, maybe they don't give up the big play in the air. Nope. They're third worst in air yards allowed, 2,410. And they are second worst in yards passing allowed overall, over 4,000 yards passing against the Seahawks are the only team that is worse. Given up uh, 74 more yards from doing the quick math in my head correctly. But the Seahawks have also faced uh, 60 more, 55 more pass attempts. Atlanta, by almost any metric, is the worst pass defense in football. They are worse than the Jets. They are worse than Jacksonville. They are, by a mile, the worst. So to me, I look at this and go, good luck. They can't cover the Chiefs. Their pressure rate is is decent. They're not bad there. They actually have a better pressure rate than Kansas City. They're 11th. Kansas City's 14th, which is a, a sinking ship at this point with the Chiefs. Um, the, the sack totals, I mean, Atlanta's something like 20th, I believe. Uh, they, they're not – they don't get home a ton. In fact, they are 20th. They have 28 sacks. Kansas City, if you're worried, uh, 22nd and 25. Th- they just can't get to them. Like, ultimately, I just look at this game, and it's like, yeah, okay, well, how's Atlanta going to stop them? I don't think they're going to. That's the whole thing. And by the way, while we're on this topic, because I just want to mention this real quick, one thing that I have noticed, because I've been banging on the Chiefs defense for a while now, the Chiefs are getting better against the run. They only rank 23rd in yards per attempt. They were, like, 30th forever. And in the past 
since the since the first Denver game, and I want to give credit to a couple of great analysts out there. Craig Stout, who does a lot of work over at Arrowhead Pride, who's excellent. He's a great follow on Twitter. Nate Christensen, uh, who's also on Twitter, I, I believe writes over at Arrowhead Guys. They've done the breakdowns. The Kansas City, since that first Denver game, when they're in their base or nickel defense, they're the best run defense in the NFL. The Chiefs have done a really good job, and I think that's going to matter if they play a team like Tennessee in the playoffs. Atlanta is okay against the run. They're 18, so it's not like they're so good against that that the only way you can beat them is throwing the ball. But I just look at this game, and it's like, okay, so who the hell is guarding Hill and Watkins and Hardman and Kelsey? It's just Atlanta's going to have to score 40 points to win this game, and I I would be just floored. I really would. I think there's a game where they, Ryan's just going to have to drop back and throw like crazy and I, don't, I do not think that's a recipe for them to, to win. Even though he is a good player, he has not been good the last six weeks of the year. And I want to correct something I said earlier. I said that the Falcons ranked 28th in pass defense. That's incorrect. They're, they're 28th in yards allowed. Uh, they rank 31st in passing yards allowed. So they, they stink. stink. Yeah. They stink. Um, all right. I've got to take our last. <laughs> I got to take our last break, uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back in just a minute. We'll keep previewing this game. All right, we are back. Let's talk a little more Chiefs Falcons. So we've already talked about the mismatch here. Chiefs are the best team at throwing the ball, and the Falcons are pretty much the worst at defending the pass. As far as the rushing yards allowed per game, the Falcons are actually pretty good there. They only give up 104 yards per game, so they rank ninth. The Chiefs rank 21st, as you as you mentioned. They're giving up 123 yards per game. But the Falcons can't run the ball, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. They're they're 28th in rushing yards per game. That's why I think this game is just like a, a, a great cauldron of like a, just a bad matchup for Atlanta, right? Like the, the Chiefs, the Chiefs struggle against balanced teams. If you can run the ball and you can throw the ball, that's a problem for Kansas City because you can milk the clock. If you're bad on defense, you, you don't have time to run the ball against Kansas City. So this is a right. game, I think, for me. It's just the Chiefs just can't shoot themselves in the foot. They can't turn the ball over. They can't have these weird drives where they they're they're gonna move the ball. They're gonna move the ball just like they did against like Miami. But they just can't have a Miami type game where they a bunch of funky things happen or they miss a field goal or something. If they get in the red zone and they score touchdowns, this is over. And frankly, I think it's to their advantage. Get up early on Atlanta, who already can't really run the ball. Get up 14 points, 17 points. And then make Matt Ryan drop back, and then you can just have your pass rushers tee off and let let your secondary do its thing, right? Yeah. I mean, look, this is another part about Atlanta. So they rank offensively. They rank 20th in sack rate, which means the percentage of times out of, you know, if you take 100 times, how many times does does Ryan get sacked? Um, They're 20th in that. 20th. So they're they're not great up front. They don't pass protect particularly well. They've given up 36 sacks, which is tied with Dallas as the 11th most in the NFL. Their rushing attack is the worst in football. They average 3.7 yards in attempts. They're tied with Pittsburgh, dead last. Um, yards per attempt, they rank 14th. They're just not, they're not good. Like there's a reason they're four and ten. They're, they're awful defensively. Awful. And on offense. You look at them and you're like, all right. I mean, they're average throwing the football. They're they're below average protecting Ryan. They can't run. And if you're Spagnuolo in this game, you're like, look, 
I'm not letting you beat me on the outside. And Dove Coleman, who's another great fellow on Twitter and a good guy, um, he had a stat this morning I thought was interesting. Guess what defense has given up the fewest receptions to wide receivers? Kansas City, which is amazing when you consider how often the Chiefs are leading and teams are just throwing the ball against them. That's an incredible stat. But they have really good corners. Like the one thing about the Chiefs defense is they can play against the pass. They're not great getting a rush. They're average against the, you know, in terms of getting a pass rush. But the Chiefs are very good, very good on the corners. Breland's excellent. Sneed's excellent. Ward's good. Fenton's the most underrated corner in the league, in my opinion. I mean that genuinely. Rashad Fenton is a tremendous slot corner. They've got they've got a bunch of good players back in the back end. Of course, they got Tyron Matthew. Thornhill's played better over the last month. Uh, you know, and, and Sorensen is, is as steady as they come. So this is just uh, look, I get it. Any given Sunday, all that stuff. This is a rough spot for Atlanta. It really is. Like, and then you know, you look at the, the stats here. So Calvin Ridley's excellent, 77 catches, 12, uh, basically 1,200 yards receiving, 1192, nine touchdowns. He's really, really good. Julio Jones has only played nine games and has 770 yards. It tells you how good he is, but will he play this week? We don't know. Didn't play last week. They don't have anybody else who really scares you. Hayden Hurst is their best tight end, 496 yards. Okay. None of their, none of their running backs catch the ball. Um, they're just like, they're, they're fine offensively. They're middle of the road. But they're awful defensively. And in this game, Kansas City's going to score. And it's just going to be one of these things where Ryan's going to have to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes. Good luck. Right. Good luck. I do not see any way that happens. There's another element I want to talk about here. It's Look, it's week 16. And the Falcons are 4-10. and 10. So we saw last week that... We saw last week that the Jets won a game they... they had no business winning, right? But those guys are trying to avoid going. Um, they were trying to avoid going 0 and 16. Yes. And, and we'll talk about that. I want to talk about this game later, but the Cincinnati Bengals, who have absolutely nothing to play for, other than the fact that they hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, came out and put a whooping on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I really think that that has more to do with it being a rivalry game than the, the Bengals, like, why would just finish the season strong, right? Like their quarterback's injured. A team like the Falcons going into a game like this, Verderam, do you think that they're like something happens at the end of the year sometimes where there's all these like fluky games and either a team that has no business beating somebody ends up beating them or you get into these, these games where the, the, the bad teams have just completely given up, that they're making their, their, they've got their tea times, all set up for the offseason. That's what they're thinking about. And I feel like you also get a bunch of guys place, making business decisions. Are they coming up for free agency? They're not, they're not right. worried about playing team ball. Can I get the sack? I don't care if I have to blow my assignment. Where do you think the Falcons are right now? Uh, so look, here, here's the problem for the Falcons. It's an older team in a lot of spots. Matt Ryan doesn't have to prove anything. Julio Jones, what does he have to prove? He's ridiculously well taken care of. Like, I, I don't know. And, and, and by the way, I'm not saying Julio Jones is going to lay down, but I'm saying like if he's 50-50 for a game, like what's the point? If you're the Falcons, what's the point of putting Julio Jones out there, right? Like I, I don't know that there is one. Um, you have no head coach, right? 
Like, yeah, right. Like you're gonna, you know, the staff knows they're cleaning the house at the end of the year. You know, I, I just, I don't know. Like, like Jones right now, if you don't know, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury, missed last week. You know, like you know, according to Ian Rappaport, he needed a, a plasma injection for it. Like, if if you're Julio Jones, you're really you're flying out there to get out there in in a game where you're outside in the cold against a team you know that's probably gonna beat you. You want to play that game? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, look, there's personal pride for sure. I've always felt like if you're a good team, when the schedule comes out, you would rather see the teams that you think are going to be bad later in the year. Because early in the year, no matter what, even if you're hopeless, everybody thinks they're good. Everybody thinks there's hope. Everybody thinks they can get to 10 and 6 and make the playoffs. When you get to this point in the year, bad teams, they're they're checked out in most cases especially ones that are veteran teams like the Falcons. It doesn't matter. You know, it's it's a situation, too, where it's like if you got guys who are kind of banged up, you're not going to play them. You'd rather see the young guys. You know, you don't get that in the early part of the year. You know, teams are still trying to right the ship and make a push. Look, I don't think Atlanta is just going to tank and lay down, but Atlanta is just not good. I, I just see this as a game where – the Chiefs get up early, and it's just like, eh, the hell with it. Just go home. I, and if you're the Chiefs, think about how motivated you are to get a week off of work, right? right? Like, they all know if they win this game, there's no other crazy, wild scenario that could possibly play out that they don't get a one seed. They get it. They will, I'm sure, not play against the Chargers. If they do, it'll be very, very limited action. Then they get a bye, and then a playoff game. They'll be off for three weeks. Like if if you're the Chiefs, you're like, man, we're we're gonna lay it on Atlanta. Get the hell out of here, and then not have to worry about next week. Hey, Chad Henney, you're up. Good luck. We don't care. We lose. What does it matter? So, I think there's a lot of motivation for the Chiefs, and there's none for Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. And in this game, you want to see the Chiefs just take care of business. You do not want some fluky thing where they lose and then they got to go and play the Chargers and the Chargers. Look, man, the Chargers are, <laughs> I don't know why they can't win. It's coaching, I guess. They've got a, a great young quarterback. He's going to challenge you. Austin Eckler's back in the fold. That defense knows how to get after the Chiefs. You just do not want to play the Chargers if you don't have to in a game that means anything. Are the Chiefs better than the Chargers? Of course. But like you, you don't want Travis Kelsey getting hurt playing the stupid Chargers because you couldn't be right. a four and ten Atlanta Falcons team because you couldn't you couldn't focus right. Hey, Do remember the job. last year they played the Chargers last year. It was not an easy game, and Thornhill blew his knee out in that game. Now they Great had point. to play it. I mean, the Chiefs had won over. And all. I'm not saying anything negative against Kansas City. They had to play in the game, but I'm just saying you avoid that. You avoid that scenario. Okay, now look, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He could have gotten knocked out for the year. I think most of us thought he was when that play happened in New Orleans. Now, now again, the Chiefs had to play that game, but my point is, like, if you can avoid playing in a game, you avoid it. There is no reason to have to go down that road. And as you mentioned earlier, look, the Bengals just beat the Steelers. The gap between the Bengals and the Steelers is bigger than the gap between the Chargers and the Chiefs. And, oh, by the way, the Chargers, that's a team that's a young team, that's a team that's got motivation, and it's a divisional game. They're gonna, you know, they hate the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat them every time they play them. They're gonna want to knock them. Now, I don't think they would. 
I think she should beat him. But yeah, that that all said, um, there's a there's a very realistic shot that by the time the Chiefs kick off, that they're the number one seed. I I'm not even going to get into it because there's so many scenarios in terms of strength and victory. My understanding is that it if the Saints win on Friday and the and the Bucks win against the Lions on Saturday, it basically clinches strength and victory. But I don't. I don't take that as gospel because I've already gone through a million of these scenarios, and every time I get told, "Well, you know, if, if the Steelers tie the Colts, then you know." So there's just a lot of there's a lot of things out there, but yes, the Chiefs are in great position for sure. Yeah, they really are. I played around with the playoff machine, and you need good luck. The Chiefs could still lose both of their games, but there's so many because it comes down to a strength of victory thing. There's just like a weird things that can happen, but. On the whole, the Chiefs are in such good position. And we talked a little bit last week about rust that might happen and what do you do in the Chargers game. But I'm looking at the field, and I want the Chiefs rested. The offensive line's banged up. You know, Hopefully you're going to get Mitchell Schwartz back. Give Clyde more time to rest. Hell, if you can sit Le'Veon, even better. Guy's 28 years old. Like, right. Let Darrell Williams go out there, get some run. Let Darwin Thompson get some run. And the other thing is, and this is why the Chiefs getting the number one seed is such a huge advantage. You look at you look at the Chiefs last year, they get to the AFC Championship game, and they have to go up against a scary Titans team who had a better defense last year than they do this year. But Derrick Henry is a game wrecker. Tannehill has been playing really well this year, particularly as of late. You want the Titans to have to go th- through as many game- games as possible. So if you're the Chiefs, and you've got this one wrapped up by halftime, and you've got the number one seed, and you got you get two weeks off before you have to play anybody. And they're out there, the Titans, and what did they do last season in the playoffs and down the stretch? It, exactly what they're doing right now. They rode Derrick Henry into the ground. That guy was racking up huge numbers, got himself the rushing title. Everybody's worried. Oh, man, you don't want to play the Titans in the play. They go in there, they knock off the Patriots, Right. Scary stuff. I don't want to see the I don't want to see the Titans if possible until the AFC Championship game because now I, I don't care. I don't care how great a shape Derrick Henry is in. That dude, they're going to run him into the ground in the playoffs because they have to, and he's going to be tired. And that's what you want, right? You want him having to have played three more games than 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 your guys than your defense by the time he gets to the AFC Championship game. I'm a big believer in, yeah, the bye is great because you get an extra week off and you get to rest. But in a year like this, to me, the biggest advantage is you look at the AFC, who's the weak sister? Some years you get in the playoffs and, yeah, okay, there's two or three teams. Like, eh, this is a really good conference. There are a lot of good teams. There's going to be a couple of good teams that don't even make the playoffs. Like, there are some really, really good teams. If you're the Chiefs, you only got to play two games now to get to the Super Bowl. Everybody else got to play three. And that is a monster advantage. And it sounds obvious, but really think about it. Those teams, they got to win three games. And anybody who's going to play Kansas City has got to go to Kansas City and beat them. And they haven't had a bye in months. And the Chiefs, who now are home for the last two regular season games, then have a bye. They're going to be home for over a month by the time they play their first playoff game. That is an enormous advantage. 
They don't have to travel. They don't have to worry about all the COVID stuff. I mean, obviously, look, they got to be smart during their bye week and not go anywhere, not 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 you know mingle and and end up getting it. But the Chiefs have a huge advantage. Like think of like wild card weekend as a Chiefs fan, and I've thought a lot about this. Do you know how stressful that would have been if you're the two seed? You're getting you're getting Baltimore in the first round, or you're getting Indianapolis, or or maybe even a Tennessee. Who knows? Now. You're going to sit there. like Everybody keeps talking about, well, could Cleveland beat the Chiefs? Could, could Tennessee beat them? Could Indy beat them? Who cares? Half those teams are going to be knocked out before the Chiefs even play a playoff game. All those teams have to play. That's a huge advantage. Like You're, you're going to have a scenario where Pittsburgh plays Baltimore, Tennessee plays Cleveland, and Indianapolis plays whoever, I, uh, Buffalo. You got three games where all those teams are good. Three of those teams are gone. You don't even have to see them. It's a huge advantage to be home. And so and the Chiefs have earned it. 13 and 1. That's talking. Like I look, Pittsburgh was 11 and 0 at one point. And a lot of teams would have had a bad week, they would have lost, Pittsburgh would have had a bigger cushion. The Chiefs just won every single week and continued to put pressure on them and Pittsburgh finally cracked. And, and now the Chiefs are going to reap the rewards of that. Yeah, Pittsburgh. What the hell? That I mean, look, credit the Bengals. They came out and played bully ball against against the Steelers with a guy, Ryan Finley, threw like seven passes or eight completed seven or eight passes or something in this game. And they Ridiculous. still beat him. And the Steelers got back in the game in the second half. And 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 they couldn't stop the Bengals who could not throw the ball, and Joe Mixon is hurt. So you got old man Giovanni Bernard out there, who all respect to him, right? Been around for a while. And <laughs> Ryan Finley, and, and you're, you're, the number one seed is on the line, and you couldn't get up enough in the locker room. What's going on with their defense? We all know that Roethlisberger's toast, right? He's putting helium balls up all, oh, all over the place. But, but what's going on with their defense? I just think they're overstressed. They're just cooked. I mean, look, they're still very good defensively. I mean, part of that, let's be real. I mean, Pittsburgh had three turnovers in the first half of the game. They led to 17 points. But the Bengals ran the ball effectively on them. And the Steelers are built to bring pressure. That's what they do. And that's fine if you're winning. If you're losing, it's harder to do that. You know, it reminds me a lot of the way Baltimore was last year in the sense that they had to play a specific way. Baltimore had to get up on you, run the ball down your throat, and they could blitz like crazy. Well, Pittsburgh, they don't, they can't now they don't have the offense Baltimore had last year. Baltimore is better than Pittsburgh. But my my point is Pittsburgh has to play a specific way. And let's just put it out there. Roethlisberger's done. Done. Capital letters. Like I there's no like, oh, he's gonna have a renaissance. No, he's not. Maybe, maybe as an assistant coach in a few years. <laughs> like he's not, his arm's done. He can't throw the ball 15 yards on a line. It's over. And any team watching them knows now, oh, we'll just play, we'll just play short, take away the quick pass, no run after the catch. Finite. There's no way they're they're moving the football because they can't run. They're the worst team in the league along with Atlanta running the football. So you know, I just think Pittsburgh, like against the Colts this weekend, Indianapolis is good defensively. Pittsburgh's not going to score a lot of points. Now, maybe Pittsburgh finds a way. Maybe they win a low-scoring game, but that's how they're going to have to do it. 
I, I don't see any reason to think that Pittsburgh's going to all of a sudden find the fountain of youth. Look, offensively, everybody who is pro Steelers just pointed out, well, they averaged 28 a game. It's because they led the league in takeaways. Yeah. I mean, I believe me, I've watched every snap of the Steelers this year. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me say it a million times. They stink offensively. They cannot score points unless they have short fields. And guess what? The last couple of weeks, didn't have short fields. I was watching the game with my dad on Monday night. And I, we, we were talking about, you know, Finley had only thrown for like 80 yards or whatever it was in the game. And I said, you know what? The biggest thing that he did in this game, he didn't turn the ball over. Right. He did not make a huge mistake. And that's what kills Pittsburgh. If the Chiefs play them in the playoffs, I'll tell you right now, if Kansas City doesn't turn the ball over, they're winning the game. Period. End of story. Because Pittsburgh's not going to drive down the field on him over and over. It's just the way it is. I, I could see a real scenario where Pittsburgh ends up as a wild card. Where Indianapolis beats them, and the Browns just beat the Jets, and then just beat the Steelers. The Steelers look yeah. shot right now. Absolutely the Browns, shot. The Browns, the Browns are going to beat the Jets, and, and you've got to believe that they're pissed after losing that game to Baltimore because they had it, and it was a, you know it was a really frustrating game for them. Pittsburgh, the way they're playing right now, they should lose to Indianapolis. They're capable of beating Indianapolis, but they should lose. And if that happens, and I hope it does, that's going to be a fun game. Brown Steelers, that old rivalry reignited. Uh, that was I, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, as, as a lot of you guys know, and, and I grew up watching those Brown Steelers game on the side of the Browns. And um, it would be really great for Cleveland who has suffered through all of this crap with the team moving and then these terrible teams, but it would be really just cool for their fans to not only finally make the playoffs again and win the AFC North for the first time in a million years, but to do it by beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you could not write a better script. So hopefully that's the way it goes and, and it crushes Pittsburgh's spirit heading into the playoffs. Um, I want one more note on Derrick Henry because I've just been on this and everyone's on the Titans and the way they're running the ball. So he's got 321 carries so far this year. He only had 303 carries all of last season. So he's got two games to go and they need to keep winning. And they've right. got tough matchups as well. So he's already at 321 carries. So, you know, he's this is a guy who's he gets he gets anywhere from 20 to 30 carries a game. In the playoffs last year, he carried the ball 79 times. So he had 382 carries last year. And this year with the carries, he has, he has 703 carries in the last two years with two games to go. Plus the playoffs. How is he not toast? If the chiefs see them in the, in the AFC championship game. It's uh, it's incredible that he's still going at the rate he's going. He's unbelievable. He's not only the best running back in football, he's one of the best flat out 10 players in football. It's yeah. insane. You know, I could eat my words on this. He could rush for 200 yards to Chiefs the Chiefs. The Chiefs shut him down last year in the AFC title game, 16 carries for 69 yards. And I just – I feel like if Kansas City plays them, they'll put in Pinnell and Naughty and all the beef up front. Because the one thing is you can you can kind of play them with your base and nickel. They're not going to put you in dime a lot. And I talked about that stat that I, – I can't remember if it was Craig Stout or Nate Christian who both do a great job. But – um Teams just do not run on the Chiefs when they're in base and nickel. They don't. The Chiefs are really good in those subsets or in those sets. And I know it probably shocks people, but 
They're really, really good base nickel run defense. I actually think the Chiefs are a unique matchup problem for Tennessee because I don't think Tennessee would run the ball effectively on them. And the Chiefs can guard Brown and Davis one-on-one with their corners. They can put Breland and Snead on them. Like that, the Chiefs are just a, a weird matchup. And Tennessee has the fewest sacks in the league, the worst pressure rate. They're the worst team defensively on third down in the NFL. Against Kansas City, that's a problem. That's a major problem. So, look, every team has strengths and weaknesses. And I'm with you, Patrick. I don't Look, I'm not lining up to get Derrick Henry in the playoffs. But I, I do think the Chiefs present problems. Like, I'll give you the team that I think is it's, it's a bigger issue. If I'm Buffalo, I don't want to see Tennessee. Because if they got to go up to Buffalo, that like and, and they get a real bad weather game up there, you're just getting Henry over and over. And their run defense has not been particularly good. Uh, they don't have two really good corners. They have White, who's excellent. That is a matchup. And they don't get a pass rush either. Um, I, I could see the Titans being a major problem for Buffalo. Now, the flip side of that is, of course, th- still the defense is an issue. Um, but Tennessee also plowed Buffalo earlier in the year. Does it matter? can make your arguments. But I think Tennessee's a weird team. They're unique. They're very good offensively. They're really bad defensively. But they have that running back that most teams in the league this this time of you know, this time in uh, NFL history don't. Most teams go to a two-back system, not, not Tennessee. Yeah, Henry's got over 1,600 rushing yards. They play at Green Bay this week, so he may not be able to get a lot of ground time there if they're behind. And then the last week of the season, they play at Houston. The last time that the Titans oh my played God, at he's go Houston, 400 yards. <laughs> Henry ran for 212 yards uh, back on October 18th in an overtime oh. game. So I don't – It's look, he's probably not going to rush for 200 yards two weeks in a row and, and break 2,000 yards. But if he has a really good game against Green Bay, like say he goes for 150, 175, right. look out in week oh, 17. Yeah, oh, it could be pretty fascinating and fun to watch. He's I I love watching him play. He he looks like he just looks like I like the like he doesn't look like he belongs on the field with everybody else. It's certainly playing running back. He's like oh, what six three two forty seven. I mean, try tackling him. Um, all right, it's time for us to give you our score predictions for this game, and then we're gonna go eat Christmas cookies. So. Um, I got to write this down. I'm just going to put it on the notepad here. All right, Verder, I want you to kick us off. What's your, uh, what's your score prediction in this one? 37 to 22. And I don't think it's that close. Um, oh. I think the Chiefs are going to put it on them pretty good in this game. I just don't think Atlanta can stop. Them. I really don't. Like, I really think if Kansas City comes out in this game and is like, you know what? F it. We're throwing 45 times. I think Mahomes will complete 38 of them. They can't get pressure. And they can't blitz the Chiefs. That's just a suicide mission with their secondary. So I just think you're going to see a lot of, you know, five-yard passes to turn at 20-yard gains. I went over the yards after catch stuff and the air. I just – I don't think they can stop them. They're an indoor team that's got to come out and play in cold weather on the road in a game that means nothing to them. I think the Falcons come out with a little motivation in the sense that they don't want to get blown out. And they know if they play like crap, they're, they're going to get blown out. But, you know, we've heard a lot recently about the Chiefs. And, well, you know, they're winning all these games. These are really close games. Should we be concerned about it? I think there's arguments for both sides of that. I do not think this week's going to be close. I think they will cover this week. I think they will win. 
Uh, and I think by about the middle of the third quarter, this game will be uh, in the bag. I love it. I hope you're right. I've got it. Chiefs 30, Falcons 20. So I've got the Falcons covering. Um, I just think that given the offense, Chiefs maybe get up early. Falcons manage to you know get a late score and cover. I, I think you definitely want the over in this game uh, at over under 54, even though I just told you that my final score prediction is 30 to 20. I do think that uh, there's a really good chance that the scoreboard gets lit up in this one, but I'm going to stick with it 30 to 20, but don't, don't trust my betting advice. Uh, you don't want to do that. Although Verderm, I did win some money playing craps online the other day. Um, nice. You know, I was just, uh, I it was actually, I won like a hundred bucks betting on the chiefs to win the super bowl last year. And I was taking the day off and I was bored. And I started playing craps and I got up like a hundred bucks a couple of times and then was like down. And I was like, eh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to entertain myself. I, if you're not familiar with craps, it's a game you can play for a long time. If, if you bet, right. Just because the odds aren't crazy out of your favor. Um, and, uh, after dinner, I played for half an hour, $500. I was up 500 bucks cashed out. Oh, yeah. For you. Merry Christmas to me. Um, that, that's a game. I don't know if you've ever played craps. It's a lot of fun. I haven't, you know, I, I'm more of a, I'm more of a blackjack guy. You know, if I, if I go oh, to man. a casino, I love blackjack. I've had some success with it in the past. Uh, I also love poker, but I don't, I don't play it enough to really like really get into it. But I, you know, if I'm hanging out with the guys and we want to play a little, you know, no limit or something, we'll play, uh, also, and I know it's just a total luck game, but I just enjoy it. Roulette, big fan. Roulette is a lot of fun. Just throw a bunch of chips down all over the place. Yeah, it's chaos. You get. Yeah, yeah, it is. There a, was, it is I went game. to a casino uh, two summers ago. One opened up like 20 minutes from my parents' house. A huge resort, beautiful place. And I went, um, and I went with a buddy of mine. And, you know, we were, we were actually up. Like three, four hundred bucks, and we ended up. I'll just spoil this. We ended up broke in the food court, but that's okay. We went there with money we could lose. We had a good time, um, and we were playing roulette, and we we're betting whatever it was. You know, twenty five bucks a, a shot. I mean, no, nothing insane. Some guy comes up, swear to God, puts down five thousand dollars on like one number. Puts, I think it was like thirty six or something. And we and like like the person who is in charge, like the casino employee who was rolling the ball, is like, ah, uh, are you sure? He's like, yep. And they rolled it, and oh he, it, you know, it didn't win or whatever. The guy's like, ah, screw it. And I'm like, oh god, like I can't even imagine how rich that dude must have been. I was right. like, that is just couldn't have cared any less. It was like me losing like twenty five cents. At least put it down on black or red. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> the payout, he would have won something like astronomical. Oh, uh, well, yeah, because it's like plus 36 or whatever. So it would have been yeah. 190 or whatever. It would, have been, it would have been outrageous. Good God. And he just couldn't have cared any less. It's totally fine with it. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, if, if anybody from the IRS is listening, uh, that that bit about that stuff about me and winning money playing craps, I just that was I was just for entertainment. I was for, I didn't actually win any money. Um, just uh, go, go I'm a li- I'm a pathological liar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, listen, everybody, we're gonna get out of here. 
Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Make sure you leave us those reviews over at Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. And follow at Arrowhead Addict. And uh, have, a, have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you're celebrating, if you're celebrating everything this holiday season, uh, I really hope you and your families have uh, just a really blessed week and a, and a safe and healthy week and a nice ending to the year. It's been, uh, it's been a rough year for a lot of people. So we're thinking of you all out there and we hope that our little podcast here talking chiefs and, and peanut butter cookies and gambling and whatever else we come up with, uh, keeps you, uh, entertained or is maybe giving you a small respite. If you've, if you've had a tough time out there, um, Further, any 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 holiday messages for for the listeners out there before we get out of here? All right, said it well, said it well. Uh, enjoy it. Happy holidays. Uh, it, you know, stay safe and and hopefully you get uh, the gifts that you want. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see y'all on Sunday to celebrate the Chiefs going fourteen and one. That's not something that happens very often. In fact, I we'll have to it's look up when happened. the last never never, never. they've never they've never they were never even twelve and one ever. Wow, that's incredible! And they have—they just completed the greatest. They went eight and zero on the road. A little bit different scenario with the no fans, but uh, I believe I heard Nick Wright saying it's the greatest road season of any team in NFL history. It is. It is. So they—they've uh, beaten what four teams that are currently in the playoffs and Baltimore. That's nuts. They're good. They're really, really good. So make sure you've got that perspective as you're. Uh, opening your presents this week uh you've got one that's not going to come in a nice package but it's going to come in uh, well maybe if you got sunday ticket package but it's going to come to you most sundays uh it's called the kansas city chiefs and patrick Mahomes. all right everybody thank you so much for listening happy holidays we'll see you on sunday and as always go chiefs This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.